Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Risk Podcast. Today, I'm glad to be joined by Ariane Chappelle. Um, Ariane is the managing partner of Chappelle Consulting, um, a management consulting firm focusing on risk management, advisory and training. Um, and she's been doing this for the past 14 years. Prior to that, she's had a, a career as a professor, but I can never do it justice. So Ariane, for the listeners benefit, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. Thank you very much for the introduction. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, I've been running my firm for 14 years, but I've really decided to grow over the last two years. So we are a very new startup, uh, growing aggressively, and, and, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, I am a professor, you're right to say that. I've been teaching for 30 years now, starting as a student assistant so in the last year of my school year my university years i was teaching the first grade the first years freshmen like i said they say in the uk and i still i still do because i teach at uh, university college london in the department of computer science although i don't teach computer science i teach operation risk measurement mm -hmm. and operation risk has been my focus over the last 20 years but before that i was on the chair of international finance at the university of brussels teaching investments macroeconomics so I'm very happy now to have the IMF, for instance, among my clients, because that makes the link with my international finance years. And I'm familiar with banking and credit risk and, and liquidity risk besides operational risk. So that's awesome. the, that's the roundup. Brilliant. Thank you for that overview. So um, I've seen on LinkedIn, as I'm sure thousands of others have, uh, you've recently received an award. Congratulations, first of all. Um, the reward, the award was a best risk management advisory and training firm um, at the Finance Awards 2020. Um, so as I said, congratulations for that. But what I'm interested to know is what makes Chappelle the best risk management firm? Um yeah, the, the best, probably small risk management firm, maybe, or like the, the SME finance uh, decided. Um, although sometimes I beat, I beat the big four quite a few times on, on offers, which I'm very happy with. Hi, <laughs> <Bye>, guys. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't know if we're the best, and that would be very cocky for me to say, um, but we're definitely trying our best. And by trying our best, I mean, we clearly focus on expertise, um, just to give you a little bit of anecdote of my career, I started my career in a big four consulting uh, firm uh, that I won't mention. <laughs> you can really dig it out. And being sold as an expert when I was 22 and fresh out of university, I, I found that very, very uncomfortable. And actually, I ran back very quickly to university to do a PhD because I wanted to have to know at least one topic really, really well. Yeah. And that PhD was on uh, banking regulation and corporate governance, which is a field that I, I didn't leave. My point is, I think when you are charged quite a hefty price to a client as a consultant, you need to really know what you're talking about. You really want to give value for money. Um, and that's very much an ethics that stayed with me um, all my life. And, and definitely now that I build this consulting firm is I want to give the best service to our clients, the best level of expertise. Doesn't mean that we all have junior, we uh, all have senior, we're quite senior heavy, but we have more and more juniors. But the junior we hire, we hire high potential, um, then of course not priced like like partners, and, and we, we make our best to grow them and, and empower them. So expertise and quality of service is, is really at the forefront of, of what we do and tailoring as well. So we 
we try to listen um, as, as best as we can to our clients and give them the solution they need, they think they need, uh, or that we co-design with them. And we don't copy paste a solution from one client to the next. So that's another, I think, differentiating factor. No, that makes sense. I, I can relate to that myself, to be honest, as a, you know, a consultant, obviously relationship is the currency and to get a trusted relationship, you have to provide a high level of expertise, um, but also work in a very tailored fashion because not every client has the same problem. Um, so no, I completely appreciate that. That's great. So I want to jump into a topic. So I did a podcast earlier this week with um, a very renowned CRO that I think you know as well, Nicola Crawford. We discussed operational resilience. Um, so, now, I mean, I don't want to go into it in too much detail, but I want to look at it in terms of, you know, without because I try to avoid speaking about COVID so often because we, we, we're coming out of it. But to be honest, the financial services industry in general, they, they survived the biggest real world stress test last year, and that was COVID. So with respect to that and, and how it marries up to operational resilience, do you think there are still challenges that remain for firms and regulators? Well, there's always challenges, otherwise the life wouldn't be as fun, right? <laughs> um, although I wouldn't qualify 2020 as fun, but let's say. <laughs> Uh, no, challenges, of course. And, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm like you, I don't like to talk about COVID or, or, well, actually, we all feel it so strongly one way or another or another in any ways about this crisis, we all do. But from a risk management perspective, and, and there's been quite a, a number of publications on that, you don't want to manage the last crisis. And, and one of the challenge is not falling into the trap of managing 2020 risks right um, and that will be my talk also on up risk europe uh, in two weeks is how do we manage the consequence of the crisis how do we anticipate as best as we can scenarios of what the aftermath of covid uh, might be um, the economist in me fears a lot of economic recession and actually when i teach about this topic i say well what does the world in 22 3 4 looks like after covid if you're an optimist or you're pessimist. So if you, the optimist view is that it's going to be the post-war happy years, you know, it's going to be a bounce back and, you know, who hasn't planned an after lockdown party, frankly. And so what's the equivalent in economy of an after lockdown party? Will people go on a spending spree and, and the economy will be well and there will be plenty of jobs and plenty of hires. So very good for your business. Good <laughs> uh, or are you going to be a pessimist? And, and do you have to brace yourself for economic recessions and, and, and failures and depressions and etc. And, and, and being ready for these types of scenarios and everything in between is I think both for the regulators and for every sector, not only the financial sector, um, uh, would be a challenge. So that's my a little bit right back at your question is, where do you find yourself among the pessimist or the optimist? Or have you thought about that for your firm as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm forever the optimist, whether I'm right or wrong. I do like to see a positive outlook on situations. But I, I like your take on it, which is just, you know, it's more preparedness and readiness rather than trying to anticipate, a you know, a particular risk that may arise which can hinder your business it's more just if you're ready then you're ready for more or less anything i suppose um in terms in terms of our, our business i mean it's it's hard to tell where it can go really but 
like you said, there are always challenges. There's the regulators are always looking forward at new changes and hence why being in the financial services a regulated industry um i think there'll always be scope for the right talent to come in and support with risk management it's becoming more important and it's becoming a wider spectrum so yeah from our perspective it's interesting but there's lots of learning to be done uh, to make sure that we are ahead of the curve and conversations like this help you know speaking to risk professionals like yourself and identifying what the changes are certainly help when speaking to candidates or clients so yeah there's another concept that um have been brought to my attention actually by one of the junior member of our firms but very uh, uh very insightful and very autonomous so we try to hire people who speak up and i yeah. I, I definitely want people to speak up and challenge and come up with their ideas and 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 have this flow of ideas anyway and so it's the concept of bouncing forward that you might mm. have uh, read because there's a few blogs yes. of the World Bank uh, on that as well. So are you bouncing back or are you bouncing forward? So, so that's that's a, a nice way of encapsulating the idea of the lessons learned and how mm. can we how can we um, empower ourselves to to be stronger after this after this crisis? But th there will be an aftershock now. How will going to be looking like so? Mm. Well, I love that. And I, lo I like your stance on empowering people to speak up, even at a junior level and, and magic that way. We'll jump on to, you know, how you keep your company connected and, and that later on. But um, for now, what I want to discuss with you is, is in an article written by industry professionals, I think you've, you've read this as, as well, um, covering the top 10 operational risks for 2021. Um, it identifies one of the top 10 operational risks as employee well-being. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that replaced last year's um, ops risk of talent risk. Is that right? Yeah, talent risk has come on and off the table uh, over the last few years. I, I've watched uh, the top 10 risk.net. Risk, Risknet is a, is a long-standing mm. client of mine. I'm present in all their business lines and training and academic publications and everything. And uh, I, I love their work. I think it is a very high quality uh, digital public publication. Um, so talent risk is there for a long time. It's just been pushed back. Uh, I, I don't think it disappeared by any, uh, by any shape or form, and I'll come back to that. Uh, I'm surprised that employee well-being not is on the list, but is 10 on the list. You know, I, I mean, you don't know, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm interviewed every year for this list amongst, you know, hundreds of risk managers and CROs, and um, that was in my top three. Um, because for all the reasons that you see in the article and for people who haven't had the chance to read the articles, it's it's everything that is top of mind for every firm, you know, low morale, stretch, um, unable to disentangle the the stress of, uh, of work and, and the stress with children and, you know, right, working from home with kids screaming in the background. I was in a meeting with a a senior, uh, a senior manager, I forgot which one meeting was that, but some lady said, well, last point quickly, because I have my son screaming in the living room, you know, it's, it's hard to concentrate like this. So, so we all stretch to the max. And from an operation risk perspective, of course, if people are stretched or go down in depressions or are absent for well-being, that creates serious disruption to the business. Yeah. Um, whether it's in error, fraud is a, is a much talked about topic, but the genuine error uh, is a lot more likely than the, the malicious employee. So makes no, it has no surprise to me that A, it's, it's there, plus it's really, or it should be, but it, I, I believe it is, um, 
very uh, very top of mind to CROs and, and business managers alike because of again the consequences of what it can lead to in, in, in materializes further risk like the top three which are typically IT disruptions and cyber attacks so they they, they worded a bit differently but mm. uh, but that's what it is how, how so, is the link between those made how's the link between IT disruption and employee well-being or talent risk how, how do they how does how do you correlate that um well that's thank you for the question because the interconnected of, of risk is is something that has been um a, a point of attention to me for many years uh, also because of my background in financial risk i suppose mm-hmm. uh, i've been publishing on that since 2016 so in tempore non suspecto like you see it say in latin so before it was a thing you know in in the non non financial risk so in financial risk management, when you manage your pension funds, you you buy your equity funds and they are interrelated. And the, the risk of a portfolio is the risk of the interrelations between the different assets. Anyway, I can be longer on that later on if you want. But arguably for operation risk, it's the same. The risk of the operation risk you face is not the sum of the individual risk or the worst risk versus the not, not so important risk. It's more defined by the interconnectedness between the risks. And that's what COVID has demonstrated vividly, right? Yeah. You, and, and banks are saying, including in risk.net, and I had similar conversations with my clients and my network, is their pandemic scenarios were very much standalone. Oh, we don't have people coming into the office. How do we make do with mm. 70% of the workforce or, or whatever? And then what happened was much beyond and completely different than anyone has anticipated. Yeah. And so what is highlighted is that when something goes seriously wrong in one place, the domino effect is is very large. So that's a long winded answer to get to my point. If people are stressed and inattentive or, you know, very distracted or whatever, and press the wrong button, put the right wrong plug, plug the wrong, um, you know, I had silly, silly exam. It's always, it's always silly by definition. That's what it's always a, I keep saying I have a fun job as long as it's not your own money that you lose. But the stories you have at clients, you know, one time I had a client who had a business disruption because a supplier put a, an overpowered plug, like, you know, the twice the voltage into the connections of the server of the, the backup sites. Uh, oh, so how is it even possible that you can have such power surge on all your servers, but he fried all the servers in one go? So, you know, that sort of reduced level of attention or, you know, the the silly trading error when you send the funds to the wrong place and all that. So absolutely, there's a cascade of things that can go wrong. I see that. So it's more the ripple effect. That's how the link is made effectively. That makes sense. Brilliant. No, thank you for your insight on that. And I hope you managed to deal with the problem effectively and the client was okay afterwards, right? (laughs) <laughs> perfect always um, okay eventually but it's a shock, <laughs> a shock. that's great um okay so um as you know you're, you're a leader in, in a business and you manage teams globally um and more recently now and you know even before then in a remote fashion so yeah. how do you manage a team across the globe whilst keeping them connected to the brand keeping them connected to the culture that you've built over the last decade um and just keeping that at the fore of your business okay um there's two things i i, I i'd like to mention uh, because i need to talk to you about capital and risk and honestly i uh, I miss that point because I get passionate about something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but let's say it's it's purpose and passion and i want to hire people who work for a purpose and share a passion and like i said uh, for, for the juniors we hire uh we hire high potential and we try to grow them in the firm um, finding their purpose and uh, diversity for me is not gender it's not color of the skin uh, it's more interest personality age to some extent because the view of life is different when you're 25 than when you're 60 or 65 and we have these range of ages uh, in the firm and so we have someone who's very passionate about deep learning it exists and she's super talented some who work on reputation, some work on crisis management and climate change, some work in ERM and outreach to public sector. So that's how also we keep people motivated is to let them work on their passion. And of course, one of my complexity in running this business, but also the what interests me because I'm a teacher before being I'm a teacher and a mother before being any, anything else. And being a mother and a teacher is about the same because it's all about education, right? Um, and so my complexity is how do I find a structure of the business so that everybody runs as fast as they can in their own interest, in their own direction, mm -hmm. and that the sum of these direction is still in the benefit of the firm. So that's as, as a business owner, founder, you name it, um, my, my challenge. And if I achieve that, that I, 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 um, that's, that's, that's going to be success. That's the definition of success. And, and that relates to another point, um, because I, we talked about in employing well-being and, and, and reliability, which is critical, but temporary. No, it's, it's always true, but yeah. now it's particularly acute for, for the reasons that uh, two of these two mentioned. Mm. Um, but talent risk that comes in and out of the uh, of the top 10, and I would be interested to have your view on that, is something that is fundamental for the evolutions of society in general and for the quality and the performance of firms, much beyond risk management as well. If you have good people in your business, you can't lose them. I mean, yeah. you, you really have to try re really hard to lose. So yeah. quality of people. And adequacy of people to their job is, is the number one factor for performance. Mm. So if I was a risk manager in a global firm, and that's definitely how I do it in my firm, but if I was a, a CRO or a CEO of a, of a financial company, for my operational risk, I would look first at the quality of people and not, not only acquire talent, but also train talents, develop talents. And that's what I meant by we hire high potential and then we train them. We bring our junior to um, meetings. I make my more junior people co-train with me um, so that they are in the big bath, you know, in the mm -hmm. deep end. Um, big bath is a literal French translation. Uh, in the, into the, they're thrown into the deep end early on and that's how they learn to swim. Yes. So that, that's very much how, uh, how I frame it and how what do you see the market going with the with the talent risk and the war of talent like they say well you've touched upon it briefly there the opportunity to learn and develop is is becoming more and more important in terms of what junior candidates and even sometimes mid-level or senior candidates look for in in a role within risk management the the technical skills can be taught um but you know, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this in consultancies, which I work with many management consulting firms, you know, across Europe and the UK, 
the softer skills and the aptitude for a consulting role need to be there. Um, and then when you have the candidate that has that, that has the, the understanding, the aptitude to become a consultant, then that candidate typically desires an opportunity where they can learn and develop. They can learn new skills. They can learn, you know, on, on the job, but they can also learn from practical experience as well. So they look for engagements, which are interesting to them. Again, similar to what you said earlier, you give them what they want to be passionate towards and you just allow them to run with it. So, you know, if they find the focus in one aspect of risk management, they think, great, you have opportunities where I can engage with clients. This is a brilliant opportunity for me because that's how I want to develop my career. Will you provide me with the right tools? Will you provide me with the right training? And do I like you? Do we get on? <laughs> and if that's the case, then candidates are typically more engaged because of that. Uh, and that's changed. Typically, I suppose, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was all salary driven and jumping the financial ladder. That's that's less so now. Um, I mean, if you look at fintechs as a prime example, people really enjoy working within a fintech and they're happy to leave a banking role where they could be earning more for less money just because of that engagement piece. Um, and I think that's where companies can look at talent risk in that perspective. Are they providing enough for the people coming in to feel like they're learning and constantly developing? Yeah, and and you 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 mentioned a key word also is that would they would they like you? And um, there's a, there's a concept that I've pushed in risk management. Uh, it's called the invisible framework, and it's basically around how you make the technicalities of your job invisible to the business. So as a risk manager, when you need to sell, or you need to embed risk. I don't like this term, but risk management into the business and interact with the business. And I'll, I'll spare you all the technical details, but the last um, advice or recommendation is make friends. And I say, if people don't like you, they won't listen to you and, and, and you're going to become irrelevant. And every time I say that in my training, people smile, but they smile not because they make fun, they smile because they can relate. Yes. And that's very much also what we have in the firm. We really try um, to have everybody being friends is a bit rosy rosy but we're small enough to all be friends but i would de definitely i would not definitely hire someone against the advice of the others so we really reach a consensus do we all like this person before they can wake uh work for us because the chemistry is mm. is really important and, yeah. and it's cornerstone to job satisfaction so we very much pay attention to that i love that and I think we're going to end on that. I mean, I, I can talk to you all day, Ariane. I love learning from you and I love listening to the way you describe things. So, But I know you have other things to do, so I will end it at that. But it's been a pleasure and thank you for coming on today. I definitely want to have another catch up with you um, to discuss more around talent risk and to get your view on things. But it's been valuable and hopefully it's valuable to our network as well. So thank you for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Um, yeah, and I look it was mine. Great. Well, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. And Thank all you. the best.